Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Let's dive into John chapter 10, continuing through our series through the book of John. Have you guys enjoyed uh, studying the book of John? Y'all ready to switch it up? You like where we're going here? What do you think? All right. General consensus. That was a vote. Show of hands. This is when we take votes. Continue. <laughs> Should we continue the series? All in favor, say aye. Okay. That's a, it's approved. We're, we're going to keep going. All right. Book of John, chapter 10. Title of today's message is, This is the Good Shepherd. This is. This is the Good Shepherd. Have you ever asked yourself, how did I get here? Maybe it was a circumstance of life, or maybe you just were driving somewhere and you got completely lost and you asked yourself, how did I get here? Uh, Maybe you're like this sheep. Sheep is grooving on top of that bus. I mean, let's be honest. How did a sheep get on top of a tractor trailer in the middle of traffic? I have no idea. (laughs) I think it's hilarious. All right, another question. Have you ever personally attacked someone that did absolutely nothing to you? Boom! (laughs) What did that poor guy do to that sheep, man? We don't know. Maybe that was legit. Maybe he needed that. You know, I don't know. All right, how about this? Uh, Have you ever made a bad decision and then immediately made the same bad decision? Anybody? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that didn't work out the first time. So let's try it again just to see if maybe it has different results. (laughs) No, it doesn't. In the ditch every time. Moral of the story is... We are sheep. We are sheep. Isaiah 53 tells us, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We are all sheep. Now, you may be thinking, I don't want to be a sheep. I'm a lion. I'm a dolphin. Or I'm an eagle. We all want to be the animal that's the most high achieving, top of the food chain, soaring above worldly problems, right? I remember even a friend of mine in college, we used to call him a golden retriever. No, you think that's mean. No, no, no. Golden retrievers are the best dogs ever. They're loyal. They're down for anything. And they're the most fun and happy one in the room. This was my friend. Like, man, you're like a golden retriever. But we identify with the animal that we want to be most like instead of really identifying with the animal that we really are, which is a sheep. Now, sheep are not the smartest animals. So this is a fun fact. I was trying to do some research on some sheep. And just I was, this week, I was trying to understand uh, just how smart or dumb a sheep is. I just wanted the facts. You know, you don't want to say an animal is dumb if they're actually smart. So I was doing some research and I typed in, you know, intelligence of a sheep uh, or or, uh, is a sheep dumb, I think is what I typed in. 
and an infinite amount of articles saying the most intelligent animal. I'm like, are, are we serious right now? Have you watched sheep? Have you had sheep? They are not the most intelligent animal. Okay, let's just go through some facts. If they are, sheep uh, wander consistently and get lost always. Sheep have zero defense against predators. They don't know their way home after they are gone. They need guidance. Not only that, feed cannot, sheep cannot take themselves to the pastures that have the best food, so they can't even feed themselves without the help of a shepherd. So are sheep the smartest animals? Now, I'll say this. Sheep are fun. Sheep are peaceful creatures, and they're useful for the shepherd. They provide wool, which many of you are wearing right now. We're very grateful for the sheep. They, they clothe us. They provide milk, and they provide lambs. But one characteristic of a sheep that I want to highlight is that when they hear their master's voice, they follow. It's a very interesting characteristic of a sheep. When they hear their master's voice, not a voice, not a stranger's voice. When they hear their master's voice, they follow. Now, I'm not an expert on sheep, but I have had goats. Now, they're similar, but different. Now, the goats do have a little bit of defense. They got those horns, okay? But in every other respect, they're very, very similar to a sheep. And we created at our last house, we had some land and we had this little pen that the goats would stay in, but it, it's impossible to keep goats confined. Man, they can find their way out of anything. I mean, I had the tallest fence you can imagine. I had their little house right in the middle of this fence. And to this day, I have no idea how they were getting out. I mean, they, they had the leap of their life or they somehow figured out how to just transport themselves out. Of, I have no idea how they got out. But as we were away from our house, my wife calls me, says the goats are gone. Where are the goats? We don't know, but they're gone. And they had gotten lost. I think I, think I have some pictures of our goats. I just want to bring you in. So this is a common view from our, uh, our back porch, but we have our goats here. We have Dale. Dale. Dale was Ryan's goat. He was a pretty cool, pretty cool goat. He was great. I love, I love Dale, but he, he honestly, I think, was the ringleader of the trouble, to be honest with, with you. Uh, then we had Boomer. Uh, and Boomer, uh, he was the most chill uh, of all of our goats uh, and maybe the most loved. And then we had Ivy. Nobody loved Ivy. It's so interesting. Ivy came with this beautiful heart on her side. And I thought, the one girl, there's Ivy right there. Come on. Aw, Ivy, look at that heart. How could you not love Ivy? Ivy was the worst. <laughs> she was a horrible, horrible goat. She would, she would hit you for no reason. Uh, she, she was loud. I just, nobody loved Ivy, but Boomer and Dale, they were the absolute best. So anyways, so they get, they get lost there. That's Boomer. See, come on. So they get lost and I get the call that they're lost. And so naturally, as any good shepherd, <laughs> Dale, <laughs> who? Um, <laughs> I go to try to find my sheep. You know, when you lose, when you lose your sheep, 
the good shepherd goes and finds the sheep. So I looked everywhere. I scavenged the woods. I knocked on every neighbor. And finally, one of my neighbors said, there's actually uh, someone who has a sheep farm uh, a couple blocks away. Blocks in this was like, you know, quite a drive, you know, but it was a couple streets down the road. He has a, a sheep pen. Why don't you go ask him, see if he's seen a sheep. So I drive to this person's house. And as I pull into the driveway, there I see my goats and another person's sheep pen living their absolute best life. I remember I, as, as soon as I pulled in, I almost felt bad taking them out of here because it had like I mean, waterfalls, it had this like beautiful, giant, huge, great Pyrenees dog standing right in front of it, protecting it, had a bigger fence, and it had a much better shepherd than me, because my guess is this guy has not lost his sheep. But here I am saying, I'm sorry, I lost my sheep. I'm, I'm not the good shepherd. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very average Joe shepherd, but can I have my sheep back? This Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Unlike me and many others who are below average uh, sheep herders and caring for our sheep, Jesus leaves the 99 to go find the one. Matthew 18, 12 says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hill and go out to search for the one that is lost? Jesus loves his sheep. He knows his sheep and he chases after his sheep. In John 10, 1 through 30, this is what we're going to see. We're going to see really a continuation from last week's message. So this, although it's a different chapter, it's the same day, same time, same story. It's a continuation of the same uh, narrative here where he had healed a blind man. The Pharisees got bent out of shape about it, got really mad, got really upset. And here we see another interaction where the Pharisees are coming to Jesus and he is going to do his very best to give a very clear illustration of who he is. He's going to say, all right, come on. I've tried, I've tried many different things. I've, you know, I'm the light, I'm the bread, I'm all this and the son of man, but I'm going to try to do it one more time. Here we go. I am the good shepherd. And so here we see Jesus give three I am's in chapter 10. The Pharisees at this time still didn't understand. And they weren't really trying to understand. They, they weren't trying to see. Their eyes were totally blind to who Jesus was. They not only didn't understand and were not trying to understand, they hated Jesus so much so that they wanted to stone him and kill him. So in a very intense atmosphere, this is the story that Jesus shares, that he's the good shepherd. Three key statements. The first statement he says is, I am the gate. I am the gate. Before I read this passage, I want to give you the big idea. The big idea is this. The key to receiving the benefits of the good shepherd is in staying in close proximity to him so that you can know him and identify his voice. That's the big idea of what we're talking about today through these three I am statements. Number one, I am the gate. Let's read this together. Uh, the first, let's do the first 10 verses. Truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way was a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. 
They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, this illustration, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Could Jesus be any more clear? This illustration is about me. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. Again, I will tell you, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. So what is Jesus trying to say when he's saying, I am the gate or I am the door? Well, to give you a little bit of context into what a shepherd might do, a shepherd, when they are herding their sheep, they, uh, especially for the night, they would take them into the sheepfold. And in the sheepfold, it could be a cave, something with some walls. It could be uh, a shed. It could be a pen. But what the shepherd would do is they would herd them into the sheepfold and then the shepherd would lay down at the entrance and the exit and the shepherd would be the gate. Now, why is that important? Well, one, it's important because that way, if a sheep were to get out, a sheep would have to do what? Cross over the shepherd. It's also important because what did I tell you earlier about the sheep? They have no way of defending themselves. In fact, these sheep have one instinct. It's called flight and it's full of fear. In the, in the presence of a predator, they do the exact opposite of what they're supposed to. They actually turn, run, and cower, putting themselves in perfect condition to get attacked by a predator. So a good shepherd would stand at the gate and be the gate, not only to protect the sheep from going out, but to protect the sheep from intruders, robbers, thieves, and wolves that would try to come in and steal away, kill, or destroy. Have you ever heard the phrase, over my dead body? This is the epitome of the shepherd. The shepherd is saying, these are my sheep. If you want to get to my sheep, over my dead body. If you remember, King David, uh, was a, uh, before he was a king, he was a shepherd. And he was a pretty good shepherd. Lions and tigers and bears. This is King David as a shepherd. That's what he said in 1 Samuel 17. Your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, and rescued it from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. Now, how many of you are wanting to sign up to be a shepherd? You mean I get to put my life on the line with lions and bears and people that want to kill the sheep? Sign me up. What I want you to see is that a shepherd is no small task. When you think of a shepherd, they're, they're, you almost probably have a mental image of like a shepherd kind of walking in a field, just with a staff strolling through the green meadows. Here, sheep, sheep, sheep. No, 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 no. Predators were out to get the sheep. I mean, it took incredible amount of strength, incredible amount of bravery and courage to want to step into the role 
and high responsibility to want to step into the role to say, these are my sheep. So not only would we maybe not want to sign up for that, this is who Jesus is. It's as if to say, when Jesus says, I am the gate, I am the the door, it's as if Jesus is saying, if you want to get to them, you're going to have to come through me. I am the door. These are my sheep. Now, we can't see the door. We can't visually see him as the gate, but in the supernatural, just know that whatever the enemy tries to come at you, you got a good shepherd standing at the door, fighting for you. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you will succeed, will prosper, and you will refute any accusation raised against you. This is the heritage of the Lord's servants, and their vindication is from me. This is the Lord's declaration. No weapon, you're the good shepherd, no weapon, no wolf, no scheme, because I am the door. Romans 8, 31, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is the door, who can get to the sheep? Then we see Romans 8, 35 through 37, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or lions and tigers and bears? As it is written, because you are being put to death all day long, we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Jesus is the door. He's the good shepherd who stands watch who says, if you want to get to them, you got to get through me. And guess what? You can't get through me. Though the world may come against you, I got the good shepherd. When my flesh is weak, I got the good shepherd. And when the enemy wants to take me out, I got the good shepherd. The good shepherd is the door. Now, what this is specifically speaking to, and he's trying to make this hyper clear to the Pharisees, and I want you to see this. When he's saying, I am the door, I am the gate, he's wanting to bring hyper clarity by saying that you should know who I am. It was made perfectly clear to you in the Old Testament who I am. It was prophesied in Ezekiel 34, 23, that the Messiah would come, that he would be the great shepherd. Everything that was said to me is becoming true. This should be clear and plain. I've come in through the front door. I am the door and you still don't see it. How different are they than many of us and the people in the world who's saying, can you not see it plain in scripture? Can you not see it plain in the world around us? But yet you still don't see, I am the door. I am the gate. I, I, in my home, I sleep at the uh, side of the bed closest to the door. Anybody else in the house today? That's just, you post up there. That's your spot. Why do I do that? Well, because the door has zero intimate relationship with my family. The door is just something that was bought and purchased, meant to fulfill a singular purpose that could easily be overcome by an adversary. On the contrary, I have committed my life to these people to protect, to love, and to serve them. They are my family. 
And if anything is going to come into that door, they are going to be met with a much more intense aggressor than they realized. They will make it one, maybe two steps before that fight is over. Why? Because I love my family and I'm committed to my family. Do I trust the door? To a certain extent. But I'm the door in the manual house. Nobody gets through me if they want to touch my family. Come on. Any protectors in the house today go say, I'm the door. That's what Jesus is saying. The hired hand, the servant, they, they are doing it for money. He's specifically referencing the Pharisees here. They're doing it for money, and when it gets bad, they're gone. But I have a love relationship with you. I know you, you know me, and he goes even one step further to say, not only will I protect you, but I lay my life down for my sheep. Now, that's good news for somebody, because you may be thinking, I don't know anybody that would lay down their life for me. Jesus laid down his life for you. He loves you that much. He loves you that much. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have abundant life. The enemy has zero positive plans for your life, only downsides, only chaos, only destruction, only death. Anything that the enemy brings against your life is bad. And it's destructive. Good things come from God. Not only good things, but the best things. He says that I come that you may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus not, does not just give you a satisfactory life. He doesn't just give you a manageable life. And he absolutely does not give you a common life. He gives you an abundant life, a fulfilling life, a joy-filled life. How many of you want to live an abundant life? Find Jesus. Stay in close proximity to your shepherd. Rest in the arms of your shepherd. Lean against the leg of your shepherd. Listen close to the voice of your shepherd, and you will find abundant life. He says, I'm the good shepherd, and he makes it as clear as possible in verse 11. He literally says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he's not the shepherd, doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters. This happens because he is a hired hand and he doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. You notice that he's just trying to reiterate something when he says like, I am the door. Also, I am the door. Here we see again, I am the good shepherd. Also, I am the good shepherd. There's something that he's trying to communicate to the people here. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know, also know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this pen. Again, this is Jesus specifically speaking to uh, the Jews, the Pharisees, where he's just saying, the, I, the Gentiles, they, I have them as well that are going to be brought into the sheepfold and they're going to become one in Christ. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd, one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. You have two, two types of sheep that are without a shepherd. Lost sheep and dead sheep. 
And this was all of us prior to knowing the good shepherd. Lost sheep, dead sheep. We see this in Matthew 9.36. Let's see, let's see what he says. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. In other translations, Jesus describes sheep without a shepherd as distressed and dejected, weary and scattered, confused and helpless. That's us without a shepherd. That's us without a good shepherd. Can't hear the good shepherd? That's us. Lost without a shepherd? This is us. There is no thriving. There's no impact, kingdom impact. There's no abundant life apart from the good shepherd. I'm hoping to make this as abundantly clear as possible. We all are sheep and we are all very blessed when we have a good shepherd and we are all in desperate need of a shepherd. Life apart from the shepherd there's three, there's three ways uh, you can respond to life apart from a shepherd. One is rejecting the good shepherd. This is saying, I don't believe. I don't believe. I choose to be a sheep without a shepherd because I don't believe in the good shepherd. I don't believe Jesus is who he says that he is. So I reject the good shepherd. That's one, that's one option. The next is neglecting the good shepherd. You want to live a life apart from the shepherd? Neglect him. Neglect. I, that's, I, don't, I don't listen to his voice. I don't listen to his word. I don't pray. I don't listen in prayer. I, I am neglecting the spirit. And then the final is replacing the good shepherd. So you're either abandoning, you're either rejecting, you're neglecting, or you're replacing the good shepherd. What do I mean by this? This is you saying, I am the good shepherd. I don't need a good shepherd because I'm, I'm pretty good at guiding myself, feeding myself, protecting myself. I'm pretty good at understanding spiritual reality on my own. I don't need Jesus. And so you become the small g, small s, good shepherd. This is replacing Jesus. This is what he speaks of when he's talking about some false prophets, some, some bad shepherds, bad teachers. And he's specifically referencing the Pharisees. He says, um, uh, gives an, uh, uh, some depictions of what a, a bad shepherd and a good Good, some contrast of a bad shepherd and a good shepherd. The role of a shepherd is the good, uh, the good shepherd is this. A good shepherd leads, feeds, guides, and protects. A good shepherd leads, feeds, guides, and protects. If you want to put it in its most basic, simplest forms. I believe this is the role of an under shepherd as well. But this is the role of the good shepherd. He leads us. Now, nowadays in the U.S., a, we drive our sheep places, but when they were walking, at the time when they were walking their sheep, the shepherd would always lead the sheep and the sheep would follow the good shepherd. So are you being led by the shepherd? Two, the shepherd feeds the sheep. They feed the sheep when he says, I am the bread. They feed the sheep on the good word of the gospel, the good word of the Lord. So are you feeding on the, the word of the Lord? They guide. When they, when, they're, when they don't know what path to choose, the good shepherd leads them in the path of righteousness for his namesake. And then finally, they protect. No weapon formed against me shall prosper because I got a good shepherd. The thief takes lives, the shepherd gives it, rich, full, and abundant. It starts, it can start now and it lasts for eternity. All right, finally is the son of God. Son of God, 
These are the I am statements that he gives. So first he says, I am the gate. Then he says, I am the good shepherd. And then finally he says, I am the son of God. I am the son of God. Verse 19. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon. He's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who's demon possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? As we talked about last weekend, nobody's ever done that before. Can, they, can, the, can a demon do that? No. Jesus at the festival of dedications, then the festival of dedications took place in Jerusalem and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in this suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. When I read that, I'm like, guys, you are way too smart to make a claim like, tell us plainly. He has given you every illustration. <laughs> he has literally said it. And now you're saying again, no, 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 no. We know all that. Tell us plainly. This is how blind you can be. You can get all the facts. You can see the miracles and you can still say, no, I don't know that I believe. What? Come on. I did tell you and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. What I tell you was a distinctive about the sheep. They know their master's voice and they follow. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Fast forward to verse 36. He says, I am the son of God. Jesus is saying, not only have I told you plainly, and you've heard, but my actions as well has clearly demonstrated that I am the Messiah. This is also, I believe, uh, a reference and a picture of Matthew 17 when he is talking of his disciples. And what is he saying? He says, you will know them by their what? Fruit. That we can tell you one thing, but that our lives need to represent that as well. You'll know them by their fruit. And a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Bad tree can't produce good fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. He's saying, you've seen my fruit. You know who I am. You've seen it demonstrated. The proof is my life. Then he goes on to say that you are safe and secure in the Father's hands. This is the security. This is the eternal security of God's saving work over your life. I don't know if you've ever had this thought before where, you know, there's been that moment where you've given your life over to Christ and you've said, you know, I am all in Jesus. But you've had bad days. You've had bad seasons. You've walked away from God. You even said in, in a, a moment of doubt, like, I don't even know if I believe this anymore. And so you, you almost sometimes will live in this kind of fear of just like, does God still love me? Is, is he still holding me? Does he still know my name? Does he still know my story? And you can allow yourself to feel a level of guilt and shame that you don't need to feel. Why? 
Because God's not letting go of you. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hands. How big are the Father's hands? If his hands were big enough to form the universe, I think his hands are big enough to hold your soul. How strong are the Father's hands? Strong enough to raise the dead to life, I think it's strong enough to hold you safe and secure. No one can snatch you from the Father's hands. The world can't take you. The enemy can't take you. Your flesh can't overcome it. When, the, when Jesus, when God the Father's hands is wrapped around your life, nothing can come against it. You are safe. You are secure. You're a sheep at rest in the pasture because my Father's hands is surrounding me. His hands are above me. His hands are below me. His hands are around me. He's standing at the gate. He's the good shepherd. Nothing can penetrate the hands of the good father. You are safe. You're secure. You are mine. I know you. You have nothing to fear. You are free to run and live in abundance. This is why I don't believe this passage when it talks about the sheepfold is referring to heaven. It has a, has a reference of, of being able to come in and out and run free. I believe it's a, it's a story of the Christian life. But this is our life. As sheep with the good shepherd leading, guiding, protecting, feeding, with the good shepherd in close proximity to him, we can live free lives. Free Maybe even for some of you are saying, I'm living in bondage over lust. I'm living in bondage over addiction. I'm living in bondage over broken relationship. I'm living in bondage in every area of my life. I am chained to this thing. No, 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 no. When you have the good shepherd, there is freedom. Freedom. Freedom to come and go. He leads us to good pastures. This is the picture of the coming and going in verse 9. Sheep don't look over their shoulder. They're not even aware of the predator. Sheep, sheep are just living in the moment. As followers of Jesus, when you're close proximity to the good shepherd, you're not looking. Maybe the enemy, that, maybe that was the devil. Maybe that, no, you're just, you're just walking. Whenever we go into places or walking through airports, it's actually a really funny meme where a husband is kind of walking around and and he's, he's seeing, when he's with his wife and he's walking through an airport and he's like, okay, that, 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 that person looks a little sketchy. We're 25 steps from the exit. You know, if we walk this way, it'll be the safer path. And then his wife is like, making my way downtown, walking fast. And maybe roles are reversed for you. Maybe you're, you're the protector. I don't know. But that's how it is when we're in close proximity to the, to the shepherd. We don't have to be looking over our shoulder like, are we safe? Are we good? Is this, thing, is this coming out? No, no, no. We can live joyful lives. We can live free lives. And we can enjoy the abundant life that God has for us. All right. The hired hand does it for money. References the hired hand. Hired hand does it for money. The good shepherd does it for love. The hired hand does it for money. This is the Pharisees. Abusing their power. Uh, manipulating the people for their resources so that they can maintain status. This is, this is the scene that was going on here. This is the hired hand. And they, they do it for money. They do it for status. But the good shepherd does it for love. And because they are his. The hired hand is doing a job, but the shepherd is the owner of the sheep. 
The safety of the sheep is in the power of the shepherd. Do you recognize his power today? The safety of the sheep is in the power of the shepherd. He's an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, ever-present God. And he's your good shepherd. When you come to the realization that he is your good shepherd, as I said earlier, how could you not want to follow him? The sheep hear my voice and they follow me. There's a passage in Psalms 23, a very familiar passage that you know. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. I fear no danger. Making my way downtown, walking down. I fear no danger. Why? Because you are with me. The close proximity of the shepherd allows me to live a free life, safe and secure. I don't live in fear because I'm that strong. I live in fear because I recognize how powerful you are and I'm close to you. So that if anything comes around me, do you know who he is? Do you know what he can do? You take it up with him. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. In John 10, 11, we see God as the good shepherd. Hebrews 13, 12, we see him as the great shepherd. And 1 Peter 5, 4, we see him as the chief shepherd. So, All this that we know of us being sheep and Jesus being the good shepherd, why would we ever rebel against the authority, the clear teachings and the clear commands and the gospel of Jesus Christ? Why would we ever say, no, thank you. I'm good. We should do the exact opposite. God, I'm desperate for more of the good shepherd. Come close. I I don't want to, I don't want to spend a second of my breathing life apart from you. I want you next to me in bed. I want you walking with me to work. I want you going with me to the gym. I want to stay in close proximity to the shepherd. The shepherd will never leave you. The shepherd will never forsake you. The shepherd leans in close. He's walking alongside of you. Why would you ever rebel against that shepherd? God, thank you for being close, but on this one, I kind of want to do my own thing. The shepherd's saying, come on, bro. This is not going to end well for you. You can't see it now, but I'm trying to guide you to something beautiful, a great destiny for your life. This is not a good decision, but I really want this decision. It's not a good decision, but I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what I want. I know. Trust me. I know what you need. I know the plans I have for you. Not plans of destruction, but plans for abundant life. The key to receiving the benefits of the good shepherd is this, stay in close proximity to him so that you might know his voice and be able to identify his voice. My grandpa was a farmer and I would go out and visit my grandpa and he had cattle. Now I did read this, cattle and sheep, They're about the same amount of intelligence. And whenever he would go out into his cattle fields, he would call for his cattle. And they could be fields and fields and fields away. 
And he would go out and he would say, and this is what he would say. I, I don't know what it means and I don't know how he came up with it. But he would say, it's a calf. It's a calf, it's a calf. Does anybody know what that means? Is that a common cow call? I don't know. I don't know if we have any cow herders here. I think it was just him. Most, most shepherds would have their own tall, own tone, their own call done their own unique way because oftentimes whenever they would go to get water, flocks would all gather together, no branding, or when they were in the field, they would graze together. But all that the master had to do was say, Scaf! And his sheep would come. Why? Because his sheep know the sound of his voice. I want you to see this video, and this is of a master calling his own sheep. The sheep don't need to know where they're going because they trust the voice of the master. So many of us are just like, well, if you tell me the destiny, I will, I will maybe make the best decision to choose there. No, 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 no. He knows where he's leading us. He's the good shepherd. He has a good plan for our lives. It's just a matter of, are we willing to follow him? Not follow other sheep, not put ourselves in the position, another shepherds and not put ourselves in the position of shepherds, but to know the master's voice. How do we know the master's voice? We lean in to know him through his word. How do we know the master's voice? We lean into communication and prayer with him. We actually say, God, I'm here. I'm listening. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Have you ever said, God, I'm here. I'm listening. God wants to speak to you. It's not a matter of whether or not he is going to speak to you. It's really just a matter of whether or not you're going to be listening. And the more you spend time with the good shepherd in his word, in prayer, listening to him, the more clearly you will be able to identify that voice in your life. So when you have a decision coming up, you hear the voice of the shepherd. You're like, I hear you. I, we're... Uh, a, a mentor and a pastor of mine said, oftentimes the Holy Spirit will whisper in your ear, I'm going this way, you want to come. And that's an opportunity for us to say, God, what, I hear you. Where are we going now? Where are you leading me now? And wherever he leads, can you imagine the impact and how different our lives would be if we acknowledge that we're sheep and we all follow the voice. My prayer is that this church is just like that video. That whenever Jesus calls this church to something, we're all like, bah, bah, like, 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 we're like, yeah, it's like wherever he's going, we're walking in that direction. When he opens up the floodgates for us to feed thousands of people in our city, we're like, we don't have the money, we don't have the people, we don't have the resources, but God, you're going there, so I'm going there. We just walk in blindness, blind faith to Jesus because we trust the good shepherd. And what does he do above and beyond? He provides the needs for that which he calls. He protects for that which he calls. He finishes what he starts. <laughs> Can you identify the sound of the shepherd in your life? Can you identify the sound of the good shepherd in your life? I could probably go as bold as to say, I, I don't know that there's anything more important in your life than knowing his voice. Apart from that, lost or dead. I love that it said that the enemy is, uh, he says, confused and scattered. 
sheep without a shepherd are confused and scattered. The enemy, and this is why the gathering is so important. Do not neglect the gathering uh, together as some are in the habit of doing, but meet all the more encouraging each other in love and good deeds, even as the day of prayer. Why? Because the enemy wants to scatter the flock, get them isolated and alone, get them around the predators so that he can snatch them away from the good shepherd. But God is calling us to be a people that stay closely tied together, close together and close to the shepherd. This is why we gather. The enemy wants to scatter us, but the shepherd wants to gather us. So this is what today is. He's gathering us in together, focusing solely on him. And he's saying, come close. I want to speak. I got a plan for you. I want to tell you where I want you to go. I have a purpose for your life. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.